I'm speaking with Richie Hall, the sports editor of the Hamilton County Reporter newspaper. Um, Richie's been on our podcast before. This is the first time we've uh, had to use a, a telephone hookup because of coronavirus. And hey, you're, it's, I'm the one who's high risk in this case. So Richie, thanks so much uh, for joining me once again. Oh, thanks. Thanks, Larry. It's good to be here. Yeah, I've been pretty much staying home, too. Um, I'm, I don't know if I would be categorized as high risk, but I also know that it's probably better if I just stay home for now. I mean, I haven't been staying home every single day, but just not going out as much. So I have a, I have a history of, of respiratory infections, so... Okay, this is my age. That's mostly, you know, but with respiratory infections, you do have to be careful. So glad to hear you are doing that. So are you doing most of your writing and interviewing at home? Is that way, the way you've been working lately? Um, yes. I, before the coronavirus pandemic started, the last event I covered was March 7th. It was the boys' basketball sectional final in Noblesville. <clears throat> and then I didn't cover anything for exactly 80 days. I counted the first thing I covered after that was a golf tournament which I played the cricket stick and it was May 26th I think yeah there you go that, that, that's a huge gap right there is it not how did it feel to be a sports editor with no sports to cover <laughs> it was definitely an adjustment um, the, thankfully I was able to find quite a few feature stories about all the teams in the county I think we have pretty much all but maybe one or two schools with someone I could do story about and you know, everybody was very accommodating i think they all understood the position that i was in so you know they were, they were they were able to get back with me pretty quickly and i was able to get some good stories about it and also there were a lot of stories that i always wanted to do but because our fall sports our sports season is always busy i just never really had the time so uh, i actually finally did have the time i mean as much as i did not want it to be in this matter it was good to be able to get some of these stories written finally yeah, you know, uh, I was going to talk about this later, but let's do it now because you're already on that subject. What I always found in my days when I did some sports and I had a chance to do a few feature stories now and then is that, you know, what the beauty of that is that you really get to know some of the coaches, athletes, sometimes their families, get to know some things about them you would not have known otherwise. Think a little bit about all these features you've been doing in the past several weeks, actually months, if you think about it. What are some of the, the highlights, tidbits of information that you've picked up that you might not have known about local sports had you not had that chance to write uh, feature stories? Okay. Yeah, there were, a lot of, there were a lot of things I didn't know about. Like, for example, one of the Noblesville um, golfers that I covered several years ago, he is now an assistant coach for the golf teams at IUPUI, which I did I had no idea about, and then, you know, I talked to a Colonel swimmer, Claire Adams, who was the most decorated high school swimmer in Indiana history. She is now pursuing her in elementary education, and as of right now, she's a little bit on the fence whether she wants to continue swimming, because, swimming because of all the pandemic. Um, let's see, I did get to do a feature story about Thor Mishak from Hamilton Southeastern. I got a chance to talk to him, and it was... Nice to be able to do a story on him since he's been such a force in HSE basketball for several years. Um, probably the most high-profile story I did was on Richie Ram Carmo, the tennis player who won the Australian Open doubles title the last Grand Slam before everything got shut down. He was somebody I'd wanted to talk to for a long time because of all the success that he had and his connection to Carmel. So, and then 
we have like I think three or four county player, four, five county players that are playing for the department's basketball team. You know, just little things like that. That since I had the time to actually go look around and dig for, dig for stories, these are stories that were finally able to be told. Yeah, I was uh, reading an article on something called the Neiman Lab, something journalists know about most people wouldn't. It just writes about journalism and things going on in journalism. And uh, they profiled the sports department at the Evansville newspaper, which had like four people, including the sports editor. And they were very heavy on high school sports. They did some college, but uh, they just you know, had to throw up their hands. What are we going to do next? And they took the same you know tack that you did and lots of other sports departments have um, in terms of, of trying to, to, to focus on the features. So this is... This is not a local issue or a state issue. This is happening all around the nation because schools have literally closed. I want to talk more about a little bit about all that later, but let me move to something else, which I think is of most importance to people listening in the Fishers area. You know, we have four in, in Fishers, we have two high schools, so we have four top coaching jobs uh, in Fishers. We have the two boys basketball coaches and the two boys the football coaches, obviously. Of those four coaches, we'll have three new ones uh, this coming season as the new uh, school uh, school season, school year starts. That's never happened before. Yeah, that is definitely unprecedented. A lot of turnover there. That was kind of news. I can't really, I think if I remember correct, well, Rick Wimmer is retired. He's been a football coach for well over 30 years and won state championships at Fishers and also at Zionsville. So, you know, you hate to see someone like Rick Wimmer go. I've known him ever since I got to Hamilton County, but, you know, he's had a great career. And, you know, hopefully he'll be, hopefully he'll still be around Fishers football as, as a fan and can probably do some coaching as well, even if not official coaching, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure he'll still be willing to give advice to you know, the music, just everything. But he will still be a uh, teacher also, so he'll be around the campus. Yes, oh yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah, and then um, I know that um, um, Adam Morris from HSC, that was a little bit of a surprise, but he is going to be going to DePauw, and we can't really fault him for that, for wanting to take a college job, especially the fact he's still a very young coach, and he obviously is, uh, he's, a good, he's a good coach too, so... You know, you can't fault him for wanting to make a career move. Um, Matt Moore from Fisher's Boys Basketball is going to Warsaw, I believe, um, which I think he went to college around there. He had some connection up there. I forget what it is off the top of my head. Um, I hate to see him go to you because he was, he, was, he was a great coach, really wonderfully supportive person, great family man. And, you know, you just always... You're happy that they're making moves that will benefit them and their families, but you're always kind of sad to see the people go. Yeah, I think Matt Moore, uh, you and I talked about him uh, a while back, uh, one of the best defensive high school coaches I've ever encountered. Uh, his teams were, were doing well. I was really sorry to see him go, but I, I assume when he went to, to Warsaw, he had some personal connection up there, and I'm, I'm sure he'll do He'll do very well. You mentioned Michael Kelly. You know, uh, was he not on the Rick Wimmer staff when they won the state championship? Um, I think I read that, but if I'm wrong, someone will correct me. But I'm pretty sure that's the case. So he does have ties to Fishers. That's the the main point there. Okay, he's the new HSC football coach. Okay. Yeah, the new HSC football coach, Michael Kelly, who comes from Seymour, 
where he he had you know he was building a program there. I think he had three seasons at Seymour, and so he's coming to HSE. But he was on uh, Rick Wimmer's staff, if I remember correctly. So uh, you know he knows something about building a successful football program. Yeah, yeah, that's always good. You want somebody with some experience who's able to um, come in, especially for a you know big traditionally football team like uh, HSE. So you know, it'll be interesting to see what he does. Then I got a chance to meet the new Fishers coach. Um, Kurt Funk, and he um, actually, actually, he came from Mississippi. It was kind of funny because his um, son was a wrestler in Mississippi, and Kurt got hired. Like I think, like a few days before the wrestling state final started, so he was still coaching his son because he went to the uh, state finals from from Mississippi. So I think his I think his first official day was like the Monday after the wrestling state finals. So it was kind of an Interesting way that everything turned out. And then Garrett Winnegar, I know, I know he's a new Fisher's place basketball coach. Um, I think, I'm not, I can't remember exactly where he comes from, but I know that he is a relatively young coach. He's probably had some success. And he went to, was he not you know, the like, coach at Warren Central? That's a pretty successful program. Okay. I think he came from Warren Central, and you know that. Uh, yeah, I was very impressed that he felt uh, that the Fishers program was in such a, a state with, with the youth programs and the people coming up. He, he obviously would not have taken that job if he didn't feel like, you know, he had some athletes at the pipeline. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah coming from Warren Central, I'm like, I, don't, I think they played Fishers. I'm not sure if they, I can remember if they did or not. I don't know if kind of just blurs, blurs together. Uh, you know, coming from Warren Central, a successful school, you know, a mixed school, and then he'll be you know, coaching at Fishers. I'm kind of interested to see what he does, especially since he is a relatively young coach and they've had mostly experienced coaches, but, you know, sometimes having young coaches can be a good thing for a program. Yeah, so I think what we're going to see is something new. When we go to these uh, football games, we're, we're going to see completely different coaching styles. And uh, basketball-wise, Garrett Winnegar will put his touch on Fishers. And of those four top jobs amongst the two high schools in, in boys' sports here, the only one returning is is Brian Satterfield. And, uh, of course, that'll be a coming up in the basketball season. You know, he's he's off at graduation. will will hurt him. But, you know, that's one of those programs they just keep, you know, see, they keep the athletes just keep coming, and, and they seem to be competitive every year. Yeah, they do. They only, they only seem to find somebody, I mean, you know, you're losing somebody like McGorman shot to average a double double. I think it was eleven points a game and he hit exactly ten rebounds per game. That's that's a lot to lose. But I do know that we have Benny Pusilla coming back. He will be some I think he'll probably be someone that the offense will you know, focus a lot on during the upcoming season. I think he is a junior this year. I'm trying to look up the roster pretty quick. Yeah, Benny, Benny Bissola was in Holy Pack. Um, John McCall impressed me off the bench. He always, he always seemed to come off the bench, but he always got, looked like he always had decent minutes and some decent stats. Um, I think Dalton Runcer also, I forget if some of these kind of came off the bench or were starters, but there are familiar names. Dalton Runcer, Sam Jacobs, he was a sophomore, so he'll be a junior next year. I think, you know, he always had decent minutes. So they'll, they'll be losing a lot. And I, and I also want to make sure I mention other seniors like Cole Hornbuckle and DeAndre Rhodes. They were both really great players, but, you know, I think next year Southeastern will be able to have, you know, quite enough talent to be successful again. Let me talk about 
the IHSAA. You know, this is a, a legendary organization always touted as one of the best high school sports organizations in the nation. Um, yeah, I, I if you look at what happened in the basketball tournament, and you just mentioned that the last sporting event that that you covered of any consequence. I mean, you had some golf tournaments, and they're fine, but it was the basketball sectional at Noblesville, and that uh, always draws a crowd. I didn't get to go to any of the games. I understand the crowds were very good, which you would expect. A lot of rivalries. Just, you know, people love basketball in this county, as you well know. But the tournament stopped then, and uh, you and I both know that that basketball tournament is a major source of revenue for the IHSAA, not the paid revenue and, and the TV revenue and just all the other you know, marketing and, and, and income that comes from that. Um, so we know that it was hurt, okay? I don't think there have been any layoffs or anything like that, but Bobby Cox did talk to Kyle Niedenreip at the Indianapolis Star back in late April, and he just flat out told the Star that, uh, if in fact, and Bobby Cox is the executive uh, director, commissioner, I guess you could say at the in IHSAA, and he said, "Hey, if we don't have football, we are facing layoffs and the viability financially of the program, of, of you know the IHSAA as an institution is going to be in danger." Um, just how important is it to that group, that organization, the statewide uh, sports organization for high school? How important is it that they have a football season, including? A tournament to the end with the uh, with the uh, finals uh, at Lucas Oil Stadium. Yeah, it's, it's very important, and that that is kind of scary to think about. If we had a year with no high school football, um, I, football obviously presents a lot of challenge. You know, in sports like golf and tennis, it is possible to socially distance. You know, cross country, it it also kind of is possible. But when you start getting into the team sports like soccer and volleyball, and of course football, it becomes it's kind of like those sports, you kind of keep going on a level where it's less and less, you have less and less of an ability to socially distance football, of course, where there's a lot of contact, you know, the, the least of all. So I mean, I'm, I'm hoping they're able to keep a lot of, have a lot of um, protocols, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of differences, there'll be a lot of sanitation, sanitization doing throughout the season, um, and of course, keeping everybody healthy. So I'm sure there'll be a lot of you know, temperature monitoring, a lot of testing going, and I, I am encouraged by the fact that the state is allowing for free testing for everybody now, so hopefully you can, I mean, you definitely do not want to see if anybody in the high, at a high school football team get a positive test, so you, know, you can just kind of hope maybe there can be some testing and things like that for the season so that you can, um, you know, figure out, problem, figure out, you know, where there might be a problem and try and You know, I, uh, one of the best national TV programs about sports, if you have HBO, is Real Sports. They, I think they're on once a month. And I, I saw a terrifically done piece. It was all about what happened back in March when a lot of the you know people who are expert in communicable diseases, epidemiology, were warning all the sports, uh, professional sports teams in that case, that you know, you've you've got to prepare for this. You know, there's a, a major uh, pandemic coming. It's going to impact. And they, I guess, the the point of the story was, even though the owners of these franchises knew that, they just kept playing games. 
until the NBA ended up with several players positive and they had to shut down. They didn't have any choice. And I only say that that's a, you know, that's, that's a big picture kind of thing. And, and there was a lot of criticism about how the NBA was able to get their players tested in March when there were hardly any tests available. As you mentioned, there are a lot more tests available now. Testing is something that is done. You know, anybody who's a resident of Fishers has had the ability to get a test ever since early April, for example. And I think it's gone countywide now. It's, it's taken several weeks, but it's it's now beginning to uh, to become more common. So, Mike, here's what I would ask you in, in this. Uh, do you think these athletic directors and various athletic departments throughout the county you know, are they ready to set up a testing regime, uh, checking these kids to make sure that if there is a positive test, they get that person, you know, uh, quarantined so they can spend their 14 days quarantined. And if they're, and then you so you don't expose a lot of people to that. What what have you have you been hearing anything about that, or what what's your best guess if you haven't heard much? Um, honestly, I haven't heard anything about that. I. I, I would imagine that as the season gets closer, there will probably be a lot more plans being finalized for testing and, you know, content tracing and contact tracing and things like that. Um, I, you know, you, you, I think you'd think that, a, like, a bigger school like Southeastern Fishers or Carmel Noblesville that, you know, they would have the, the means to be able to do widespread testing. But the problem, of course, is going to be when you get to smaller schools, like, you know, the rural schools, who might not necessarily have the means. So, you know, it's going to be an interesting situation. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm an athletic director. I know that they have, you know, they have incredibly busy jobs, and now they have to deal with this, too. So I, I'm sure, I know that one thing, though, they are charged with, you know, making it, not only looking out for the best interests of the student-athletes, but also, you know, looking out for their health. But, I mean, that's obviously that is first and foremost. So I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure they'll be coming up with some sort of a plan. I mean, I, 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 think, everybody, I think everybody would would hope that there would be some sort of a plan in place. Yeah, and kind of dovetailing off of that, here's my biggest fear, because I love high school sports. I go to games. I go to basketball, football games when I can. Just as a fan, I just enjoy going to the games. And here's here's my biggest fear, whether it's basketball, football, or any of the other, even you know, other sports that don't get as much attention uh, outside of the families and friends, but still are important sports. What happens if we start to have a situation, sort of what I sort of mentioned a moment ago, where where you have a locker room, you find out you've got a, a positive test, that in, and that athlete, because of the nature of the sport, has been in close contact with the entire team. I mean, you could see situations where entire teams could be out, you know, off the court or off the field for at least two weeks. So everybody who scheduled them will have to cancel that game. They got, of course, the team involved has to cancel their games. Maybe you can reschedule them. You know, if if we had, and I'm I'm starting to hear stories in Major League Baseball, for instance, they they're talking about having a season, but I'm also hearing that they have lots of positive tests, not just amongst the players, but amongst the staff that's going to be around the team. Uh, I've heard the same thing uh, about the NBA, for example. So when you think about that, um, that's got to be the greatest nightmare or fear of any athletic director, or just the IHSAA in general. Yeah, it does. Um, I, I'm thinking with regards to this, there's probably going to have to be a little bit more flexibility in terms of the, se- of the season. 
this year, especially when it comes to the contact sports like football and then also volleyball and soccer. And that, you know, if you do have one kid that tests positive, but then all of a sudden the entire team is essentially, you know, has to go off the field for two weeks. So I, I mean, as much I, and this is just me kind of thinking out loud here, but. You know, when it comes to, you know, Friday night football, obviously high school football is Friday night football, and that's you know, just the way it's been for decades upon decades. But I'm starting to think of this maybe we have to have a flexibility to change things around like that, you know, possibly, you know, change around the season. I know everybody loves the, the, the way that the playoffs go. Everybody's in. There's no cluster system and things like that. But, but I think there just might have to be some changes because of it it becomes a domino effect. If you have one team, you have one team that cancels its games for two weeks, then you know, you've got other teams that are, that are out of the game as well. Not to mention that if you have one team out because somebody tested positive for the coronavirus, well, then the team they played the last Friday, then, you know, suppose they have to get tested and they have to isolate for two weeks. And then there's more teams that have games canceled. So I, I think people are just going to have to, the, the way we've been doing things for the past three months now, just get creative and get flexible and figure out ways in order to have football games. But, you know, we're just not going to be able to do them the way we have in the, we have in the past. Yeah, and I just, I feel so terrible for the kids who were unable to continue to play in that tournament, that basketball tournament in March. Uh, I'm sure there are financial parts of it, but I think the, the fans obviously missed it. But think about the kids. That, that's what they live for is, is that tournament, a chance to it. The, the teams that had a chance to advance, they'll never know whether they would have, how far they would have gone. And I think that'll haunt them and the coaches and everybody attached to the program probably for the rest of their lives. Yeah, it was a shame for Carmel since they did win the boys basketball section, I think it was like their fifth or sixth section in a row, and they were all geared up to play in the regional, and, you know, they had the team to win a few, I think, win a few more games, they, you know, I think, yeah, you know, I mean, they have such a high standard of success, that they probably were um, thinking they could get back to state, and they probably could. Um, it, you know, it is a shame that we didn't finish the, finish the tournament, and, you know, unfortunately, there's just going to have to be that little, you know, that little, I guess, I don't know what you call it, Empty space, empty space in there in the record books. And just hope that we can come back next year and have the whole tournament to its completion. I've been hearing a lot over the last few weeks about about the situation with school, high school funding, or any or just school at schools at K through twelve at all levels. That the state is taking in more than uh, taking in less, like a billion over a billion dollars, like one point two billion dollars. These are, that's the amount of, of uh, tax money that they're short because of the economic calamity that went with all this. Uh, with the state, you know, like teacher salaries are essentially funded, you know, by sales tax revenue at the state level and, of course, referenda. If you have a referendum approved like we do here in HSC to augment the, the teacher salaries and the coaches are teachers. Um do you think the financial issues that will come to just about every school system will have any impact on the athletic departments? Um, well, I hope not, but there's obviously that possibility, and I think once again, will be the smaller schools that probably get hit get get hit more. I mean, I think you might have to see some, pro- some programs that get cut. You know, 
the bigger schools are probably better to use some of the school some of the sports that are not IHSA sports like lacrosse has become so huge. Um, you have teams that have bowling teams, you have rugby teams, those sorts of teams. I don't know if due to their non IHSA stature they'll be the first team to go. Um, I mean I, I think again you just you just hope not. And I don't really think there's much anybody can do besides hope not and prepare for prepare for what you can. And do you also think that um, the athletic departments are going to be impacted by how school is conducted? I mean, the last several weeks of, of school was e-learning, and, uh, you know, that, that's, that had its challenges. Talk to any teacher or some of the students and parents. They did the best they could, and they are just desperate to get kids in classrooms again. And, you know, every school system in the state, including HSE school system and all the others, are trying to figure out how to handle students. Are they going to be in the classrooms? Are they not? How do you think that will impact, let's say, um, just practices, for example? Well, one thing I'm seeing with a lot of the college campuses now is, like, for example, Butler's doing this. We just had it yesterday. I think Ball State is doing this, too, is that they're starting their semesters like normal, but then they're going straight through, like, you know, they don't take Labor Day off, they don't have a fall break, all the classes are done by Thanksgiving, everybody goes home for Thanksgiving break, and then, like, Butler afterwards is having their final exams online. I was trying to wonder if maybe some of the school, high schools might decide that they might want to alter their schedules, you know, like, you know, keep, you know, keep every, maybe not, maybe end the semester early, do final exams online, which, if that were to happen, to answer your question, Yes, that would obviously affect athletic, you know, athletic participation, participation and things like that, because then you, are, you probably have to have changes in practice dates and those sorts of things. But you know, again, it's just we're going to have to be flexible, and I think it's just kind of like we're going to have to wait and see. Especially if you know, you hope there isn't going to be a very severe second wave, but people are talking about it, and you, know, you just kind of have to be prepared, be prepared for that. Well, okay, here's the million-dollar question. I'll give an answer, too, but I'm not going to try to put you on the spot too much. But from everything you know, and you've been doing a lot of interviews and talking to people around the county, do you think we start the high school football season in August on time? Um, as of right now, I would say yes. Okay, and I would agree with that, but the, I think the caveat there is I, I just hope they can finish the season. You know, I think we'll start more than likely, but whether that, that uh, football season continues on uh, to, to the end and without, compli- without major complications, to me that's the big issue. I think we'll start on time, at least I hope we will, and then we'll go from there to see uh, what happens. Anything else you want to mention? Uh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Richie, please. Uh, yeah, yeah, I do, and I think... I think you might wind up seeing that. Just, you, know, you, know, you go back to like the 70s and the early 80s when they had the point system, the clusters, you know, how all the teams qualified. You know, again, I don't work for the IHSCA. This is just my opinion. But I think if they do want to complete the season, you might, have, you might wind up seeing them modifying the tournament. Like maybe you don't have three random sectionals. You just have one sectional game. Or, yeah. you know, maybe yeah. you do like, um, you know, you have every... You have, like, maybe, I think they'll give it six classes, but, you know, maybe they play, like, you know, a game midweek and a game at the um, Friday or Saturday like they normally did. You know, when you get to the state finals, I know they would want to keep the traditional day, days after Thanksgiving. But, um, but 
Antarctica again, they just have to be kind of flexible and creative with how they try to finish the tournament. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I think if you do that, there'll be a lot of angry schools and fans. Let me tell you why. I remember in the sub, I think it was the seventies, Martinsville High School had like several undefeated seasons and did not get into the tournament for years. So, you know, that system is. is I understand what you're saying. It's possible they could dust that off, but I can tell you, it's it's not a perfect system, as you would probably are aware. Any 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 other final thoughts uh, before we wrap this up, Richie? Um, I just kind of, I just, you know, just kind of hope things really back to normal, although I'm not sure how completely normal they will ever go back to, but, you know, I just have to think that at some point we will have high school sports again, we will have football again, and, you know, hopefully we'll be able to get things back to some, to some sort of normal. Great thought to end this on. By the way, if you don't subscribe to the Hamilton County Reporter, it's very easy to do and very inexpensive. Just go to readthereporter.com and uh, you can subscribe there. Richie, thank you so much for joining me, and let's hope we'll be seeing each other at some high school sporting events very soon. I certainly hope so too, Larry. Thanks again for having me.